Welcome to Bold Faith with Courage Molina, a place where you get empowered and equipped to be who God has called you to be, do what God has called you to do, and go after everything he said you can have without hesitation or apology. Let's go. All right, let's get into this week's sermon. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Go ahead and drop where you are tuning in from. Good morning, I am Pastor Courage Molina of Bold Faith Community Church. We are a virtual church and it is our aim that every Christian and every household would be a minister of the word of God, um, equipped to rightly interpret it and empowered to apply it in all seasons of life. Our mission here is simple yet powerful. It's to share the good news about Christ and guide you to studying the Bible for transformation so that you can experience God's best in every aspect of your life. Um, if that is what you are here for, guess what? You have come to the right place. You've come to the right place. Uh, I want, before I even get into it, y'all already know what I want to tell y'all about, right? This retreat. I want to talk to you guys about the retreat. Faith Ignited 2024 is already scheduled. It's open for registration. It will take place July 12th through the 15th in Greensboro, North Carolina. You can go to the website boldfaithchurch.org to reserve your spot to find out more details. Now, listen, this is an experience that you've never had before. I'm trying to tell you right now. I don't care what other retreats you have been to. You've never been to a retreat like this. This is going to be a place where you can connect with other faith-filled, spirit-led, Holy Spirit-led. There's a lot of spirits out here. Holy Spirit-led ladies um, from the ages of 14 and up. Yes, that means you can bring your little sister, your cousin, your niece, your fake cousin, a mentee, somebody that you want to pour into, they will even get something out of it. They will walk away transformed as well. This last year was just unbelievable, absolutely amazing. And so I don't want you to miss it. I'm telling everybody about it. Know that this is a smaller group uh, with only enough room for about 30 women. We want to make sure that this is an experience that is intimate and one where you really have time to connect with one another as you are connecting with God. So be sure to go over to boldfaithchurch.org. If you're here and you've been to a retreat, please let these people know. Let let them know. They don't want to let y'all know because they don't want y'all to get these tickets and then they can't go. So let me not ask them because they already said they're not sharing until after they purchase their tickets. And I know the Lord is not pleased with that. <laughs> so I'm praying for them. <laughs> I'm praying for these people, but that should give you an insight as to how amazing the experience really was. Some amazing speakers, women from all over the world. You just, you don't want to miss it. So go ahead and get your ticket now. Uh, we've been in Acts for quite some time. We're going to be in Acts chapter 26. We're going to read all the way through it. I want to give you an opportunity to get there. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. So go ahead and grab your Bible so that you can um, get it. Do you know what I love while y'all are getting there? Um, I just love the way God knows what he's doing. <laughs> I know that seems like so simple, but I just love the way God knows what he's doing. And what that means for you um, as a member of this church is that 
honestly, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't get to pick and choose like which scriptures. There are certain things that I probably wouldn't preach on if I'm honest. Um, not because I don't want to or whatever, just because I'm always thinking about how we can apply it to our lives, or I'm always thinking about how it relates to like business or our family. And I think those things are important, but then I miss some of, we would miss some of the other um, aspects of the word of God that isn't related to your business or your money. Uh, it's related to the gospel and the good news and what God can do. And so I'm excited to bring this word to you today because um, it just, it surprised me if I'm honest. I'm like, oh, that's what we're talking about. Okay. I don't know that I would have, um, if I was, you know, creating a series or something, I don't think that I would have chosen this series. Um, but the Lord has chosen this series. The Lord has chosen this sermon, this message. So that means it is for you. All right. Before we get into, before I read chapter 26, we're going to read that together. Let's get a little background. All right. Um, before we even get started. So what we have on the scene right now is we have King Agrippa and his sister, so gross, um, have come to pay respects to Felix, no, to come, has come to pay re respects to Festus because Felix, the old governor, has been replaced. And so Festus tells them about Paul and all the things that are going on with him. And so now the king wants to hear. But Paul has already testified in front of Festus. As we know, Paul has testified 100,000 times already. But because... You know, Festus was on, he like had this indecision. Once Paul testified before him, even though he knew he didn't have a reason to, to keep Paul, he wanted to appease the Jews. So he was like, hey, would you be willing to go and do this in Jerusalem? And so Paul decided, I'm not about to do that. Go ahead, send me to Caesar. So Paul makes this appeal to appear before Caesar. But now Paul's going to stand before King Agrippa, before Festus can send him off, because before he can send him off, he's got to have a reason. What are the charges being brought against Paul so that Caesar can make a determination about his guilt and or his innocence? And so since he's not sure what to say and, and um, King Agrippa is interested in hearing, now they're going to allow Paul to have Paul to testify again, this time in front of um, King Agrippa and all these fancy people. And so who do we see here? Just so you know, we're going to see in chapter 26, Paul's obviously going to be there because he's the one that is on trial. He's the one that's giving a testimony yet again. He's an apostle. He's a church planner. He's a Christian, Roman citizen, former Pharisee, which is like the most strict sect of Judaism. Um, and he was formerly known as Saul. He had great zeal to really kill Christians and have them arrested so much so that he would go from town to town to do so. That's the Paul we're getting ready to see. Um, he's the one that's on trial. He's been accused of starting riots and trying to start a mutiny. That's what he's been accused of. And so now we have King Agrippa also. He's Jewish, actually. King Agrippa II, he's Jewish. And Bernice, these are brother and sister. They're in an incestuous relationship. Um, these are Drusilla siblings. So if you've been with us, then you remember that Felix, the last governor, the one who was fired, his wife is Drusilla. These are her brother and sister, these two that's dating. They're not really dating. It's just, it's very gross. And he is actually taking her everywhere he goes. <laughs> They're children of Herod Agrippa I. Festus, 
He is the Roman official of Judea. He replaced, he replaced Felix, and he really tried to restore some legal order to the region. And then the audience that will also be there with him are military officers and prominent city leaders, okay? Just want to give you some background. Y'all ready to say amen? Ready to get into it. Chapter 26. Mm -mm. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusation of the Jews. And especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify if they are willing that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth and that it is just what I did in Jerusalem on the authority of the chief priests. I put on the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was about noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I am not insane, most excellent Festus. Paul replied, 
What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. The king rose and with him the governor and Bernice and those sitting with him. After they left the room, they began saying to one another, this man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's get into this. So King Agrippa is there. They all come in. They've got this pomp and circumstance, and we saw that early. But now, here we are. King Agrippa gives him permission to speak for himself. Nobody else is going to speak for him. He's going to give his own testimony. And so Paul's testimony starts out with complimenting King Agrippa. This shows us that Paul clearly was highly educated and trained in public speaking because this is the way of public speaking, the way he, um, you know, it says, let me go back. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. The way Paul motioned with his hand, that is also a telling sign of someone who is trained and highly skilled in um, public speaking. And so that's how Paul starts out. He starts talking about the Jewish laws and customs. He says that all Jews who know him, anybody that know him knows where he came from. They know his background. He's talking about who he is, where he's from, how he's been raised. He is sharing with them how devout he has been. And he's saying this was not like something nobody knew. Everybody knows this. And if anybody wanted to testify about this concerning me, they could. I wonder why they didn't. It's one of the questions that I wrote down. I wonder why nobody testified on Paul's behalf. I wonder if he had no friends left. If when he chose Jesus, that meant that there was nobody else that he cut all ties with everybody he had ever knew for that time, all of that time coming up. We know that obviously his nephew felt a way about him or at the very least didn't want him killed because we saw previously that he, um, he intervened when there was a plot against Paul's life. But I wonder if there was not, he didn't make friends. He was like this great guy who had this very good worth ethic and got great results and really upheld the Jewish law and had so much zeal that he was willing to go from place to place to get these people to stop. He didn't have one friend. There was nobody when he chose Jesus. That was it. I just... And, that just made me curious, you know. He said if anybody wanted to testify, all these people know me, they could. Nobody testified, yeah, this is the same Paul. At the very least, to just say this is the Paul that always did those things that he's saying. I wonder how often we consider the things that we will have to leave behind if we truly follow God and if that is the thing that keeps us or keeps some from moving forward with where God is taking them because there's this fear that it means the people you've known for such a long time are going to separate from you. They're no longer going to be a part of your life. That's a possibility. But I wonder if you would choose God still, if you would still choose to follow God. Um, okay. And so then, you know, Paul goes on and states why he's really on trial. He doesn't say resurrection this time, but he says his hope is in what God promised 
the same promise that their ancestors hoped for. So instead of just saying, well, you know, it's because of the resurrection. No, it is for the very same thing that our ancestors, again, tying this close-knit um, connection between him and Jewish beliefs. Because the big, their biggest problem is saying that he no longer believes in the Jewish beliefs, that he's got this strict set, which we talked about last week, means if that's illegal, they couldn't do that. They couldn't just be making up religions and just being like, oh, we're about to have a new religion. The Romans wasn't going for that. And so Paul is tying the knots, connecting the dots, making this close connection between himself, what he believes, what he's saying, and what Jews have been saying since the beginning, um, not the beginning of time, but since Abraham, right? Since it was foretold long ago, this is the same thing that they hoped for. And so then Paul asked, why are y'all struggling to believe that the God of heaven could raise people from the dead? Even if you believe everything, especially if you believe everything that you read in um, the prophecies, these are people who, especially King Agrippa, who he continues to address, by the way, I'll come back to that. This is a man who is very familiar with um, the prophets and their prophecies and what they said. He would be very familiar with that. He'd be very familiar with that thing. So if you could believe all these things and the history too, not just the prophecies, but also the history and the things that God did for his people. If y'all believe that God did all of that, why are y'all so surprised? Why does it shock y'all? Why is it such a point of contention that God could raise people from the dead? Like, you believe that he created the world in six days. You believe that he parted the Red Sea. You believe that he got water from a rock, right? These are all historical things they would have known, they would have had access to. You believe all of that, but you don't believe. You believe that manna fell from heaven and kept our ancestors for 40 years. You believe in Noah and the ark. Noah the Noah's ark, Noah and the ark, yeah. You believe in that, but you think, you believe all of that is possible, but raising the man from the dead would be too hard for God. And so then he shares about his previous zeal for going after Christians. In his present situation, being a follower of the way, I wonder how Paul felt about recounting this part, that not only was he, you know, super strict and in the law believing, but he was over the top. He had such zeal for going after anyone that believed in Christ and was following the way. Not that he himself had the power to have anybody killed, but if death was chosen for a person, if that was the sentence that was given, he basically gave a nod and agreed with it, like we saw with Stephen, the first Christian martyr. right? And he did this not just in Jerusalem, but he traveled so that he could uh, prosper prosecute so that he could persecute the Christians. And then he begins to explain, it was on one of these trips. I was out doing what I always did. I was out, I had so much zeal. I went to the high priest and got permission to go and bring these people back to face trial, to face uh, their sins, to face the things that they've done going away from the laws of Judaism. I was going out to, to do that, to bring them back, to drag them back so that I could put them in prison. It was on a trip just like that, that I met God. I saw this bright light and it was during the middle of the day. So how bright did the light have to be in order for me to see it in the middle of the day? That tells me right there, the light was bright indeed. And when I saw this bright light and it knocked me down and I said, I heard this voice speaking in Aramaic. 
and spoke to me specifically asking me why was I persecuting the church? Why was I persecuting? Well, he says, Paul, why do you persecute me? Christ, why are you persecuting me? I heard this voice coming out asking me why was I persecuting him? And there's this saying he uses, it is hard for you to kick against the goats. What does that even mean? First of all, what's a goat? This is what it means. It means it's impossible for you to stop my will, basically. Why are you out here doing this when it is impossible for you to stop my will? You can't stop what I'm going to do. So why are you out here trying to, right? And so then he continues on, his testimony continues on to tell not only what Christ said to him, but also what he was charged with, what he was charged with doing, what he was commissioned to do, to be a servant of God, to be a witness to others about Christ, that he was going to be sent to the Jews, that he was going to be sent to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles, just for the record, I don't know if I mentioned this uh, lately, but Gentiles are basically all other nations, nations that are not Jewish. So the Jews and then all the other nations with a message so that they would open their eyes, they could turn from the darkness that is sin and walk in light and take their place among the sanctified of Christ. So once again, Paul is saying, this gospel that I have is not just for the Jews, it's for everybody, it's for both Jews and Gentiles. And I got that, I got that message from Christ himself, from God himself. And he explains that he decided to obey. So I obeyed God. Who can argue with that? If you are a believer, you believe in God as a um, as a Jew, who's arguing? How can you argue with me being obedient to God? I didn't make this assignment. Come on, somebody. I didn't choose this assignment. There are so many people that are in an absolute uproar right now. Oh, my goodness, that scared me. I'm sorry, y'all. There are so many people who are in an uproar right now about... Um, about women pastors and wh whether or not we can lead. Everybody want to call me a minister. Stop calling me a minister. I'm a pastor. Put some respect on my name. Pastor Courage Molina. Okay. That's how, that's, yes, I'm feeling that right now. I think it is, um, it's so crazy that I can say it is God who chose this for me. It is God who gave me this assignment and somebody is upset that I've decided to obey God. Well, who should I be following as a believer? What y'all say, what people believe, what you think, what you understand of the word, I cannot base my actions. We as individuals cannot base our actions off of what somebody else understands of the word. We have to get into the word ourselves, hear the voice of God, right? Hear directly from God for ourselves so that we know that the work that we are doing, the things that um, we've decided to do, the way we've changed our mind, our mindsets, our perspectives, whatever, our actions are actually in alignment with what God is saying. No one else should have more impact and influence on you than God himself. And that's basically what Paul, what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, he told, he told me to go and do this, and he told me who to share this message with. So all I did was obey him. All I did was obey the God that we all say that we follow. And then when he spoke again of the resurrection, that is when Festus couldn't take it anymore. And he interrupted Paul's defense and said that he was crazy, that it was too much studying. You believe that Bible too much. 
That stuff you've been studying, you have let that go to your head. You actually think that God can raise somebody from the dead. You actually think that God can save your marriage. You actually think that God can heal your body. You're actually believing that God will increase your territory, that he will give you more impact and influence and income. You actually believe that God is going to make a way just because you've been studying your Bible so much. You actually believe that God's grace and mercy is going to follow you all the day. You actually believe that you are going to see the, the, um, the good of God in the land of the living. You actually believe that you're the head and not the tail. You actually believe that. That's basically what Festus is saying. He's saying you have studied so much. This is in the lost your mind. You, I think your studies, you don't went too far with your studies. And so again, Paul addresses King Agrippa because while Festus may not be Jewish and may not be familiar with all the amazing things that God has done for his people, King Agrippa certainly is. And so now Paul again addresses him saying, I know you've heard about what the prophet said. I know you heard about this. And I know you heard about this Jesus because it wasn't done in some back alley, some small room. It wasn't done in some small podunk town that nobody ever heard of. It was not done in secret. It was done right out in the open. And you are plugged into that community. So I know you believe the prophets and I know you heard about this. He asked him direct. You believe in the prophets, don't you? Now this right here, that's some good arguing. We just going step by step. I know you believe in them. If you believe in them, then what are we doing, boss? If you believe in what they said, and this man has come to do that. So King Agrippa is like, I know you don't think that's going to make, I'm going to be a Christian because you just said it in this short little time from this one little speech that you gave. And Paul was like, I don't care if it take you a long time or a short time. I love that. Because I want it to take you a short time personally. Anybody want a response right now when you give a testimony or when you tell somebody about God or when you share your thoughts or feelings on some aspect of um, Christianity or whatever, you want people to come right over to your side, to the side that you believe. You don't want it to take a long time. That's how I am. Maybe that's just me. Paul is like, I don't care if it take a long time or a short time, so long as it gets done. If that's not the mind of Christ, I don't know what it is. As so, so long as they believe. So then the king leaves and they go and they discuss, you know, Agrippa, Festus, and uh, Bernice. They all leave and go and discuss Paul. And, you know, it's when, that's when King Agrippa says, you know, if he had not appealed to Caesar, he would be able to, he would be able to, you know, be free right now. And so what we have is Paul is testifying before Agrippa because Festus doesn't know how to charge him, what charges to tell Caesar he's even sending him up there for. I don't know about y'all, but I feel like if I were Paul, I would probably be tired of telling my story. Are you tired of telling your story? I would probably, if I told it a hundred times already, I'm tired of telling my story now, and, I, and I'm, you know what I'm saying? Um, I watched this live, if y'all don't know my my friend, um, Erica, almost said her whole name, Erica Davenport of She Pursues Purpose. She does these lives on Wednesday on her Instagram, and so I was watching one, and um, there was a lady that was on there talking about niche. She was talking about entrepreneurs and knowing, like, your message and your niching down, and she asked this question, what is the biggest thing? What is the biggest transformation that you have? 
Well, I know what my biggest transformation is, right? And it is me really coming to know the Lord the way I know him now. But I'm tired of telling that story, which I said in the chat. I was like, hey, but what happens if you're tired of sharing that story? She was like, if that's a selfish thing, I wonder why you're tired of telling it. It's not because everybody's heard it, right? You feel like everybody's heard it. And it's not because it's not as big anymore. It's not as valid. You just kind of get tired of doing it. So I'm looking at Paul. We're watching this. We're reading this every chapter for the last like three or four weeks. We see Paul just telling his story again and again, again and again. And he's telling his story, not like he's tired. He is telling his story. He is sharing his testimony as if it might bring somebody to Christ. So if I'm telling it again, I don't care how many times I have the opportunity to tell it. I'm going to tell it. I wonder what it would look like if we got that mindset that we were going to share the story of how God brought us out, how God took us out, raised us up, um, helped us to overcome the greatest challenge of our life. If we didn't get tired, if we didn't get weary in the world doing just telling that story over and over, Paul didn't even get tired. He doesn't even seem to be annoyed by telling the story. It seems to me, just like he says, whether it's a short time or a long time, so long as everybody comes to know Christ. So long as every, I want everybody to be like me, knowing Christ, except for these chains that I'm in. And so when I think about how I would respond in this area, which is something I do often when we're reading the Bible, you know, taking some time to reflect. Honestly, I would be tired of telling my story. But we see here the importance of being committed to sharing your story a hundred times or a thousand times, especially if it means a soul will be saved. I think that Luke, you know, remembering that Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts, um, it's given us an opportunity to see even more of Paul's conversion story, more of Paul's encounter. We've seen it a couple times. We've read it um, maybe a few chapters back where it just was very short and it told us he fell off his high horse and the Lord told him to go somewhere. And so then he went and then this man prayed for him. But more and more, and especially in chapter 26, we really get to hear more of the conversation that Christ had with Paul. And I think that Luke wants to give us a little bit, a, a few more details about Paul's conversion. And the lesson I truly believe that God is showing, not just the people there, but also showing us is that he is a protector. God is showing Paul that he is a protector. This has gone on. Just like he said, I've told this a hundred times and somebody tried to kill me, but God has kept me. Where, what verse is that? I can testify this is my promise. Mm -mm -mm. Let me see. This is why some Jews, verse 22, verse 21. That is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen. He's showing himself as a protector. He's also showing that his plans won't fail. He planned for Paul to go to the Jews and the Gentiles. He told Paul he was going to go to Jerusalem and to Caesar. And guess what? God, nothing's going to stop the plans that God has for Paul's life. We can see that. Well, lessons that we can get from this. It's, it's important that we take some lessons that you have. To, the first one that I see is that you have to give your own testimony. You got to speak for yourself. You know, um, 
not allowing somebody else to tell your story and not allowing somebody to silence you, not allowing your situation, your experience or labels, what you've done, the mistakes that you've had. Don't allow those things to silence you. Don't allow the fear of embarrassment to silence you, to get you to not use your voice to share a story that one can not only encourage someone, but can bring someone closer to Christ. This also shows us that the gospel is for everybody. It's not just for the people that we like. The Jews were not a fan of sharing it with the Gentiles. And for the record, they kind of had this long standing separation where God didn't want them mingling with other people. There was this separation. God kept them, uh, held them holy and apart. And so it was very difficult and it was very offensive for the Jews to hear that now Paul wanted to share this gospel with Gentiles. I wonder who you get offended that somebody wants to share the goodness of Jesus with. I wonder how often we get upset because somebody is going into a community that doesn't look like you, that doesn't sound like you, somebody that you can't relate to. I wonder how often we get upset with somebody who wants to share the gospel. But what we have to remember is that the gospel is for everybody. It's not just for who you deem worthy because the truth of it all is is that none of us are worthy. So while you think that those who are in prison who have committed these heinous crimes and there's this prison ministry and you don't want to support prison ministries and you don't like it because you feel like they're undeserving, God says so are you. When you think about um, men who have committed crimes and women who have committed crimes that may not even be in jail, maybe they are in shelters and things like that. And so the reason they're going through a difficult season in their life is because of their own choices, choices that they've made. You feel like they don't deserve to come to know Christ. They don't deserve gospel until they clean themselves up. But God says, neither do you. Maybe it's because they are gay or lesbian or trans or LGBTQIA or any of those things, you feel like they need to change. They need to denounce some of the things that they've said before they can come to know Christ. You don't, you feel like they don't deserve to hear about the gospel, but God says, neither do you. You believe because she's cheating with her, cheating on, cheating with somebody else's husband because she's selling her body, because she's doing drugs, because she's promiscuous, because she's got three baby daddies, four baby daddies, five baby daddies. You feel like that the gospel is not for her. She needs to clean herself stuff up because she's undeserving of the gospel but God says so are you that we're all undeserving of the gospel that's what makes that is what makes it a gift it's something that we could not earn the word of God tells us that and so seeing that the gospel is for everybody um, and understanding that even when you start to share your testimony there are going to be some people who push back everybody's not going to be able to receive it because resurrection is too hard for some to believe it is too hard for people. People can believe that there is a God, but this idea that somebody died and rose again, sometimes that's going to be too difficult. You're going to share your story. You're going to share your testimony. You're going to share your experience. And still somebody may not come to know Christ because you've shared your story. They still may not receive the truth about God because sometimes the gospel in and of itself begins to confront secret sins that you don't even know about that somebody has. So as I begin to tell you my story of Christ, as I begin to tell you my uh, my Damascus story, the story where God pulled me up out of the dirt and how my life has changed, all you can hear as a listener, somebody who's a non-believer, sometimes all they can hear is their own sin. All they can hear is the accusation. And you know who's accusing them. The enemy is the accuser of the brother. It's the enemy who doesn't want them to come. It's the enemy who wants to condemn them and not convict them. So understanding that even when you're just sharing your story, that the enemy isn't just going to allow you to do it. It's not going to always be easy for somebody to believe. And let's not forget that there are some present benefits of living in sin. People are living. 
However they're living, they're living. And that call to, to accept God, to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior is often one that is going to require some sacrifice. And so people will often, you know, choose the present benefit and, and they're willing to give up future blessings. The blessings seem so far away. They seem so unlikely. So this is already working for me. This lifestyle that I have is working for me. And to give that up or to deny, people don't want to deny themselves. That is one of the biggest things that I hear. Well, to have to deny myself what I naturally like, to have to deny myself um, what I'm prone to, to have to deny myself saying what I want to say when I want to say it, doing what I want to do when I want to do it, doing who I want to do when I want to do them. To deny myself those things, it's not what I can't see that it's worth this future blessing. And, and, and facts are not going to convince everybody. Your testimony isn't going to convince everyone. We can see that with Paul. We can see that with Paul. But that's not to keep us from sharing our testimony. We can look at Paul and see that while everybody didn't come to know Christ because he shared, there were so many that did come to know Christ because he shared. And he didn't share from the mountaintop, like from this great mountaintop. I think we are like that sometimes. We don't want to remember that's why I said I'm tired of my story. I'm tired of talking about how I was depressed and I was crying all the time and I was a mess and I was drinking with breakfast and my mama was like, why are you drinking it with your breakfast? I'm like, yes, I got a heavy heart. Leave me alone. Cheers. You know, I'm tired of talking about that. I'm tired of talking about all the problems. I'm so over it. Can we just talk about something else? Can we talk about this high level, where I'm at and what I'm doing? Because your girl, the Lord has really did a good, a good thing. Your girl out here killing it in these streets. Okay, Some of y'all have come so far from where you were that when it's time for you to share your testimony, you're sharing it from a high place. And we can see from Paul that when he shares his testimony, he is sharing it sincerely and from a sincere place where he's not hiding all the decisions that he's made. He's not hiding the wrong things and the wrong thinking and the wrong behavior. He didn't hide the fact that he condoned the stoning of a Christian. He's not even running from that. It's His testimony is sincere, it's personal, and it's the best way that you have any possibility of breaking through to the heart of people. People may celebrate you, because of what you've accomplished, but people connect with you because of what you've been through. So when you share your testimony, it's not a cause for celebration. I'm sharing my testimony so that you can connect with me and I can connect you with Christ. Not so you can celebrate where I am right now, right? Yes, I want to celebrate. Yay, it's so great. I love what the Lord has done. But when I'm sharing my testimony, it's so that I can connect with you so I can get right to the heart of you. So I can see that while my, I can show you that while my life may be different now, it wasn't always this way. I understand what it feels like to, um, to have to give something up. I understand what it feels like uh, when you feel like God has to be angry with God. You feel like he's let you down. You believe that something was going to turn out one way and it didn't turn out that way. You prayed and you asked and you pleaded and you fasted and they died anyway. They left anyway. You got divorced anyway. Right. The business failed anyway. They decided to abandon you anyway. I did all the things, God. And so now you, I understand what that feels like. That's something people can connect to. And when people can connect, they can connect with Christ. You just got to accept that you won't win them all. 
if I can leave y'all with anything, um, some direction, let me give y'all some direction. Um, the direction, if I, if I could say what the direction was, or the one thing that I want to give you for today, it is, um, to speak for yourself. I, I want you to speak for yourself. That's, that's what I want you to do. I think that's the direction that God is giving us with this, um, with the revelation that he gave me from Acts 26, that the direction that he's giving me into this house is to speak for yourself, um, to take a look at what your testimony is, to take a look at your testimony, crafting your testimony, that you would start to prepare your mind and your heart for some pushback so that you don't take it personal, so that you don't slow down, so that you don't give up, um, that you would go ahead at the beginning and accept that you won't win over everyone, but that you would keep sharing anyway. I think that's the direction that God wants us to go. And I certainly know that's the direction he wants me to go in. And I thought I might share that with y'all here today. Now, maybe you are thinking that sounds really good that, you know, you would go out and share your testimony. But the truth of the matter is you still have not come to know God for yourself. Is there anybody out here like that? You feel like, yeah, that might be, you know, that sounds good sharing my testimony. And there are a lot of things that God has helped me through because of his grace and his mercy, because of the prayers of others. But if I'm honest, courage, I haven't really decided to dedicate my life to God. I haven't. I have accepted God as a savior. I believe that he has saved me time and time again, but I have not accepted him as my Lord the one that I'm going to take direction from, the one who I'm going to get in alignment with his will and his way, the one that I'm going to be seeking for what's right and what's wrong for my life. I accept that God exists. I believe in God. I go to church. I'm here today, courage. I'm listening to you. But if I'm honest, I haven't decided to make his standards my own. I haven't decided to make him the Lord of my life. And so I want to invite you to do that now. Say this prayer with me. Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe that you raised him from the dead. I now accept him as my Lord and Savior. I accept the gift of salvation right now. Thank you, Father God, for forgiving me. Thank you, Father God, for saving me and giving me eternal life with you. Amen. Listen, I want to say welcome to the family. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad that you are here. Um, if you've said that prayer for the first time, please send us an email, praise at boldfaithchurch.org. We'd like to connect with you, get some resources in your hand. It's an individual decision, but you're not meant to do it in isolation. God certainly wants you doing it in community. And Bold Faith Community Church is a great place to do it. Now, if this is your church home, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. If you are looking for a place where uh, for great content that's going to build your faith, that's going to help you to hear the voice of God clearly, you're in the right place. We are also here Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. EST with Mornings in the Word as we read through the Bible together. We're live in the chat. You don't want to miss that. If this has blessed you in any way and you know someone else who's all about building their faith or someone who has an amazing testimony that you think they should be sharing, go ahead and share this video. And if you like the sermon, then like the video. Now, listen, we are not done. We're not done. We are getting ready to head over to the Zoom. There should be a link um, in the chat right there so you can get the Zoom. If you don't see it there, you can go to the website 
for boldfaithchurch.org. That's also the place you can go if you want to support what we are doing, what this ministry is doing, and helping us get messages like this to people all over the globe. Then you can give your tithes and offering to boldfaithchurch.org. You can do that right there as well. As always, thank you so much for joining us here. We do not take it for granted that God has allowed us to pour into your life. And I hope that you will join us after the sermon um, and get into this zoom room with us okay so come i'd love to meet you all right i love y'all and i'll see y'all in a bit if this episode has blessed you be sure to share it with someone else so that you too can be a blessing if you'd like to connect with us and help us to do the work that god has called us to do you can give at boldfaithchurch.org be sure to connect with us on instagram at boldfaithchurch and connect with me at courage molina Thanks so much. Be sure to catch the next episode right here.